Well, good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for August 28th, 2016. Koyo Kubose here. So very, very glad you joined us. I'd like to start out today by just sharing that last weekend uh, we had a family reunion. It's done every every two years. Adrian side organizes a family get-together. Um, we get together at Bodega Bay, which is about half an hour north of San Francisco, right on the ocean, and uh, we rent about three houses. And Adrian and her two sisters uh, and all the husbands, we were in one house. And then all the kids and grandkids are in the other houses. And we take turns cooking and we get together. And each biannual get-together, we have some kind of a theme to honor somebody or, you know, one time it was uh, three of the people were celebrating their 50th year and or maybe we uh, honored Adrian's mom one time when she was alive or or we honored uh, her two older sisters were married uh, in the same year and they celebrated their golden wedding anniversary one one time. So we that we had that theme and we had the theme of uh, generations one time, and um, we had the theme of animal years, Chinese uh, animal zodiac calendar. And every year we have a T-shirt. <laughs> Somebody is in charge of the T-shirts. And that year we had uh, all the animals, pictures of all the animals on the front of the T-shirt, and everybody colored in the one Im- animal image that was theirs. So uh, mine was a snake. So, And these were very whimsical um, animal drawings. And so I colored in my snake. And, and uh, you could tell by looking at everybody's T-shirt what Chinese zodiac animal they were. One year we had the generations, we had um, different colored T-shirts for the different nuclear family groups. And uh, so each nuclear family had their own colored T-shirt. And then one year we had the generations where just by looking, you could see who were all the grandchildren, grandchildren, and so forth by looking at the color of their T-shirts. And we all took a group picture with our T-shirts every year. But the reason I mention it is we went to the house. It was very close to the ocean. So I could just go right down the path anytime, take the two dogs and uh, go down there early in the morning. It's foggy. Um, Stand on the beach, no one there, two dogs running around. And I look out at the ocean, see the surf pounding in, and it's foggy. That fogginess made the uh, the atmosphere seem kind of, um, 
I don't know what the adjective is, but not cheery or sunny. Not ominous is too strong of a word, but I guess it was sort of raw. Maybe that's a good word. And I thought that's a good good adjective for the ocean and for life. You know, it's not overly joyful and cheerful and it's not necessarily ominous and and dangerous and yet it's in between where it could lean either way depending upon how you project it into it and I just had to embrace that kind of world and I put my arms out as I face the ocean you know I say yes to life and uh I was re- I'm reminded right now of an association of, uh, I think it's a quote by Maya uh, Angelou. Life loves it when you grab it by the lapel and say, let's go, kid. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, and then I was thinking about uh, how the ocean is used, has been used, as a metaphor by so many people and it behooves us to to contemplate, to reflect upon go to the ocean. Look at a picture of it. Well of course in person is the best. But whenever we get a chance to go and contemplate the kinds of subtle metaphors it could from your subconscious into your conscious mind from the infinity the constant waves coming in uh, the the fact that I, 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 think I remember Ken Tanaka's um, book Ocean where the sailor you know right on the cover there's a a sailor in the uh, shipwreck and he's floating in the ocean. story is that he tries to swim to save his life and he's getting all tired out and he's sort of panicking. Then he kind of relaxes and he realizes that because of the salt water and the ocean water, it's buoyant and it will support him so he could relax and just float and just gradually kind of backstroke his way toward toward the direction he wants to go in. And that's how life is. We think we've got to, you know, do it all on ourselves, but this whole big universe is supporting us um, in the same way that a wave and an ocean, where the ocean is the absolute and the wave is the relative, where the ocean is the infinite and the wave is the finite. Uh, The ocean is the reality of the whole universe and the wave is an individual person, you know. Because of certain conditions, a wave is born and it lives its life on the surface of the water. Each wave, even though we're all human beings, we're all unique, (laughs) 
have a lot of similarities. We're all relatively the same size, same little foam on the top, but we're all unique. Okay. And we're also, what we have in common is that we never, we came from the ocean and we're part of the ocean and we'll go back to the ocean. And because of the water that's constantly streaming within the wave, it's not a plastic wave. It's a dynamic oneness between the wave and the ocean. Never separated, even though in our ignorance sometimes we push our chests out and think we you know, are separated individuals. Our ego wants that. But when we become a wave becomes aware of the ocean, that's when spirituality starts. Okay. Well, I'd like to introduce today's guest to give us a Dharma glimpse. Edie Keogh lives in the Bay Area. She's part of our LM8 group. She came to the Bright Dawn Center uh, this past May for Bright Dawn Lay Ministry induction. So let's hear from Edie Keogh. Thank you, Sensei. Hello, everyone. I'm really... Um this morning, I, uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm uh, really uh, happy to be here. A little bit nervous. My mouth is dry, <clears throat> so I have to calm down a little bit. But this morning's uh, talk by uh, uh, Kobose Sensei uh, brought back some really happy childhood memories of uh, family gatherings, family reunions, and going to the beach in the middle of summer. I grew up in the San Joaquin Valley, and so I suffered through (laughs) the 100-degree temperatures, and were it not for the men's club at the church, at the Buddhist temple, which planned the summer outings at the beach, I could not have really, you know, did not really enjoy, have time to uh, enjoy the ocean. But because of that, um, because of those outings planned by the church, uh, the men's club at the church, uh, I was able to have some wonderful times um, in the fog at the beach. And uh, it's really strange because we had uh, only known the really hot temperatures in, in the summer and uh, seldom went to the beach were it not for that club's outings. But it was uh, the thing that I remember the most is how we, all of us kids, would be in our swimsuits and after lunch, uh, we all got into our swimsuits and played in the water in the fog. The sun usually came out around oh, maybe 1 o'clock in the afternoon, but we were out there just enjoying ourselves. And the adults were shivering. They were in their coats and and their sweaters uh, shivering on the beach. But we we kids uh, were just romping through the water and just having a time of our lives. So uh, this morning, Sensei's talk reminded me of those times. Thank you, Sensei. For my Dharma glimpse, 
I uh, chose the topic, Obon Dancing with Happy Hands. Obon is a celebration of life, a time to express joyful gratitude for all the loving kindness and manifold contributions made by all people and countless causes and conditions that make our existence possible. The Obon service is a time to gratefully remember and acknowledge the lives of those who have passed away, not only relatives, but also many of whom remain unknown. The Obon Festival, also known as the Gathering of Joy, expresses the religious understanding of life and death in the joy of family gatherings, warmth of lantern lights, community celebrations, including music, singing, dancing, laughter, food, games for all ages, and cultural displays. So all of these things I remember and appreciate when it's a bon time. My maternal grandmother expressed her joy through her hands, hands that lovingly sewed the yukata, the summer garment for the dance, the strong hands that tightly bound the beautiful obi around the waist and ribs, the nimble fingers that pulled out the threads to wash each section of the yukata, then reassembling each piece, hand-stitching the entire gown for the next year's obon. There were at least six prized garments that she worked on, one for each of her older granddaughters, including myself. And this she did every year when we were little, when we were young. When I was a young girl, I did not truly understand my grandmother's joyful feelings at Obon time. From my selfish perspective, I only complained about the tight obi that made breathing difficult, the long garment that restricted freedom of movement of my legs. I complained about the long sleeves that prevented my arms from cooling off in the hot summer weather, temperatures often hovering around 100 to 105 degrees Fahrenheit. I didn't realize that my thoughtful, my thoughtless complaints stole my grandmother's joy, the joy not for herself, but for me because I was suffering. Year after year, I complained. Many years have passed, now too late to apologize for my thoughtless complaints. My grandmother never once scolded me, even though I may have deserved it. Obon was a joyful time for her, a time for her to relish seeing the fashion parade of so many girls and women dressed in the yukata, admiring the beautiful colors and designs paying special attention to the variety of ways the obi was tied. You must understand that obon was her one special day of the year when she could go home again, so to speak, for she had not ever returned to Japan from which she immigrated when she was 18 years old. 
She died when she was 101. Now the Obon music and dance remind me that it is a time of grateful, of great spiritual joy in many ways, including a time for appreciating the yukata and obi, and especially happy hands, the happy hands of my grandmother. Many dancers now in 2016 continue to wear the yukata, but many others also dance in ordinary American street clothes. I sometimes wear a short hoppy coat when the temperature is below 80 degrees Fahrenheit. And I don't, uh, and for that I don't need an obi. I'm happy dancing in comfortable attire, hoppy coat, summer blouse or t-shirt, knee-length pants and sandals. My feet and hands dance happily, grateful for having had a loving grandmother to to uh, have uh, to dress up, dress me up, and. Uh, dance in her childhood kimono. Dancing in a tight obi and kimono helped me to appreciate the freedom of movement in my comfortable American clothes. Most importantly, my grandmother made the effort and took the time in the precious years of her life in an alien culture to share what was meaningful in her life. By her actions, particularly through her hands, she communicated what language barriers could not. She communicated her appreciation of her kimono, yukata, and obi in the Awon Festival. Happy Awon dancing. Celebrate life. And this ends my dharma glimpse. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much. You know, as I was listening, uh, every, well, when we, I know for the several years that when we lived in Japan, um, Obon cultural time in Japan, where it's a sort of a I think the best description I've heard of it as a holiday is that it's a combination of Memorial Day and Thanksgiving rolled into one. And all across Japan, all the workers, you know, there's a holiday uh, usually in the middle of August that weekend. They would all go home, you know, even though they're adults and, they're, and they may be moved away from where they grew up. And the notion of home is even deeper than in, say, in America, where there's a lot of um, uh, moving around. But still, I think most most of us were raised in a place when we were young that we would consider it our, our home. And, and in Japan, that home is really preserved because, of course, land is very precious in Japan and it's passed down. And, and it's part of a family's home. And maybe they, they even have their family graves, um, uh, gravestones in a, in a small area on their land. And, of course, it was, it was agricultural 
society in those days, you know. And those sentiments have been sort of preserved. And it's all kind of summarized in the fact that this uh, Obon dancing, you know, Obon is this holiday in the middle of August when it's always at night, cool off a little bit, dressed up in fancy yukatas and traditional clothes. And that tradition is not celebrated so much in Japan now as it is in the ethnic Japanese American uh, communities abroad. And and in America, just of America, uh, there's many temples scattered across California and that they they were originated um, almost many of them are over 100 years old now when the first immigrants came we call them Issei you know the first generation then the Nisei is the second generation and Sansei Ichimi Sansei one two three three third generation which is my generation I'm an older Sansei my children are Yonsei, fourth generation. And now there's a lot of Goseis, fifth generation kids running around. For some reason, Japanese American ethnic community of their generations like that, they're the only ones <laughs> among the immigrant groups that, that maintain that kind of numerical counting. But anyway, you know, uh, so any uh, Japanese Americans that were raised as Buddhists in the West Coast and elsewhere, uh, I was raised in Chicago, and, and of course my father started the first Buddhist temple in, in Chicago because after the Second World War, many people, uh, they didn't go immediately back to the West Coast, their homes, it was, uh, but they went east to get jobs and they let things settle down, then they went back. So there was a sizable population in places like Chicago, and so my father went to take care of their religious needs and founded a temple, and now it's, you know, 70-something years later, but uh, Buddhist churches in those days were not only a religious center, but there was a cultural social center for the people, and uh, one of the events was every middle of August, you know, harvest time's just about over and kind of celebrating, remembering our ancestors, and uh, they, they would have a, a taiko Japanese drum, uh, usually centrally located on a little tower. And then uh, either it was in the parking lot of the temple or they went to a nearby park, set up a PA system, a former circle of dancers. And they all dance around, moving around the circle. And I know in some areas uh, it's so popular and there's so many people, they have to have two, three, four circles going around. And uh, they have to have their obon practices uh, prior to the obon event. They would, you know, they would together and practice the dances. 
and there were some very traditional dances that remained the same, and they did it every year. They, they had uh, one that they did with a towel. They had one that they did with a uh, fan. Uh, one they did with the kachi kachi, <laughs> these clappers that you have in your hand. Um, there was the classic tankabushi, which means coal miners dance. Uh, that was so classic that it always was done, even if some of the other ones were dropped. And of course, there was maybe one or two innovative newer ones that that uh, introduced some kind of rock and roll or whatever, you know. So this dancing, uh, it symbolizes, or I guess as you say, again, a metaphor. And I know I have read articles by Buddhist ministers about Obong dancing. It's very interesting. But the phrase, life is a dance, this uh, is something that is worth highlighting. Life is a dance. You know, when you dance, okay, not like anything, uh, you know, whether it's laughing or crying, it could be put on. But genuine, like genuine laughing or crying, genuine dancing is quite an expression of life. Uh, and kind of dancing that's not just like life, it's not something prescribed. I'm talking about, well, you might call it modern, but if you call it, if you give it a name or a certain kind of dancing, it always is restrictive, I think. But free form, moving around, you know, well, dancing. But uh, anything you do is fine. There's no right or wrong. It's just you forget yourself. Huh? Um, there was a time, there was a memory I have. It's only one memory I have of really dancing that was that stood out for me. You know, when I was a teenager, uh, all the churches had dances for the young people. This was a constant thing. I mean, it was so, I thought it was going to always be like that. Just like I thought that kids always had seasons for marbles and tops and yo-yos. You know, not anymore. Okay? And I don't think young people nowadays, you know, go to dances like we used to have. Um, but there was one time, well, I was an adult by then church sponsored a dance, sort of a blast from the past. And so there was all these sanseis. We are probably in our 30s or 40s or, or maybe 50s. I don't remember now how, exactly when this happened, but I remember the moment. And there were some of them, uh, our, my old buddies and people, you know, couples, maybe about a dozen of us. And somehow we got in a circle. Maybe others did this. We're more familiar with this, but it was the first time for me. You got in a big circle, you know, maybe 20, 30 feet in diameter, and you're just rotating around, you know, and you're just 
each individual making their moves to the music, and then person would go into the center of the circle and just start gyrating around doing anything, free form. And we'd all be cheering him on, supporting him, and, you know, and then whenever the, they felt the time was right, they would go back to the outer circle, and then the next person would go into the middle and do their thing. So, and that combination of being supported by the group, the freedom of individual expression and the creativity. Uh, I, for some reason, I just remember that moment. And I think that's what's involved in life as a dance. You know? And I think dancing could be full of uh, teachings. Uh, the Dharma of Dancing. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep dancing, and you have a very beautiful day. Thank you.